This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That Derby were struggling, second bottom of the league, and they rolled the sleeves up there. And I went in with a couple of other senior players like Kincladze and Strooper, and we we all managed to sort of stave off relegation. And and I'm tell you that I tell you now, that was a that was as that was as big a miracle as stopping ten in a row because the squad at Derby was poor, and how the hell we survived was 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 it was tough. But that's how all the Celtic stuff came around, which is disappointing. But it happens. Listen, here's the here's the deal. It's not something new. Players come and go. Clubs sell players and release players and sign players, and it's called transfers. It happens. It's like it's not it's not anything new. And uh, you know that's what happened at that time. So the disappointing one of the disappointing things is is that, that I can say this uh, is Martin O'Neill had tried to sign me on several occasions for Leicester City, and if I timed it a little better, then it would have been hunky-dory. Because Martin, and I know this for a fact, because Andy Ritchie told me, after my first season at Celtic, uh, Martin had already tried to sign me for Leicester City when I was at Chelsea. They had a good team. They had money. After my first season at Celtic, winning the player of the year and winning the league, he offered Celtic four million, which was almost double what they paid for me, and they turned it down. Well, they couldn't sell me at the time; just couldn't, because I, I just come off that great season. But he'd offered Celtic four million because Andy Ritchie was the chief scout at the time. He told me, so I appreciated Martin really liked me. You know, subsequently down the line when we're into broadcasting, I don't think he liked me quite so much. But as a player, he liked me, and so therefore it goes without saying. If I'd have hung on till the end of the Barnes Douglas era, I think I would have been quids in with Martin because he'd already tried to sign me. But isn't that life? If 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 what if if some maybes if I'd have done this, I didn't know that John was going to lose his job. I didn't know it was going to change as quickly. I didn't know Martin was going to get the job, and I wanted out of the politics. So I didn't know. Uh, I think it came sniffing around Derby when I was there. Uh, to be quite frank, when he was Celtic manager, I think he came sniffing around at Derby soon after. Because uh, when I got the uh, when I went to Derby, we played Leicester City and we beat them at uh, the old Filbert Street, and I got uh, pulled for a drugs test after it, random drugs test. So I'm in, wait, I'm I'm waiting to do the drugs test and all that, and Martin came start talking to me and all that. He was, He's offering me a beer from the fridge and all that kind of stuff. So we were just talking away. Uh, and then and Robbo come in, John Robertson, we were talking. And then he got a Celtic job not long after that. And I know he was thinking about signing me, but he, he knew that Jim Smith had gone out to get me and that, that I was important for Jim to uh, help him stay up. And him and Jim were very close, uh, as Jim Smith was with a lot of managers, because he's such a nice guy. 
and I think Martin decided not to do it. So things could have been a little different. And I, to be honest with you, I don't think I would have went back. It's not that I didn't love Celtic, but I don't think I would have went back. Uh, but things could have been slightly different, but I end up just seeing out in the three and a half years at Derby. What an insight that is. Thank you very much, Craig, for that. And and in terms of Jim Smith, you, you told us that great story about motivation earlier on. Just share some more Jim Smith stories, because what a character he was. Jim, I love I mean, I, if I... If, if I could have got back for his funeral, uh, I spoke to a few of the boys that went, Rory Delap, uh, who I'm still in touch with, and, uh, you know, uh, Neil Sillett, who the son of John Sillett, former Coventry manager when they won the FA Cup. Neil was the physio. Uh, he was basically Jim's right-hand golfer. Uh, Jim, Jim, Jim was great, old school. Uh, you know, uh, there's so many. We, uh, we signed a guy once from... Uh, he signed me and he says to me, I think it was that game at Filbert Street at Leicester. And we uh, we lost to Leeds in my first game. We got we had a big Argentinian boy, Horatio Carbonari. He got sent off. We were down to 10 men. Leeds had a very good t- team at the time. So we lost to them. And then I think we drew our second game. And then we were at Filbert Street. We are playing Leicester. So, and doing the warm-up, back in, dressing room, Five minutes before kick-off, I go in to take a little leak, as you do, before a game. So Jim, Jim comes in, and he stands at the next urinal to me, and he goes, hey, Craig, he says, now you talk about, I'm just saying, he says, I bought you to score goals, Craig, you've not had a freaking shot yet. And I'm thinking, oh, thanks a lot, gaffer. I says uh, it's like five minutes before kickoff, and he's having a pop at me. You know what I mean? He's like, "I brought you, I brought you to score goals. You've not had a shot yet." And uh, I, he was all right about it. I mean, I ended up scoring a few goals in my first season. But he, uh, I tell you, the type of guy. He, he signed this guy in loan from France. I think John Collins had recommended him. We got this guy on loan from Monaco. We needed a, a, an emergency right back. So he came on loan. I can't remember his name, but I can tell you he wasn't very good. Right. <laughs> and we're playing Blackburn in the League Cup. Now, Graham Souness was managing Blackburn. And uh, I can't remember who was playing down the left for them, but he's ripping this French fullback. He's ripping them a new backside, right? He's just passing past them every time he gets the ball. And Neil Sillett was on the bench with a gaffer. And, and, uh, and Neil... And uh, it turns out this guy who was on loan had bought a house in Derby. Right now, anybody going on loan normally stays in a hotel or rents a house because it's not long term. But this guy, this guy thought he was going, we were going to sign him. So he's, <laughs> so he's getting his, he's getting his backside ripped by by the left winger and that. I don't know who it was for Blackburn, and and uh, Jim Smith is on the touchline with his head in his hands as he always did. And he turned to Neil Sell and he says, he said Sell, he said Sell, he's freaking bought a house. He said he's useless. And we were, when he told me that story, I was like, I was killing myself. He said, he's bought a house. He said, <laughs> I'm getting rid of him tomorrow. And that was, and we were playing Norwich one. We were playing, the second season I was there, we started off really slowly. And we were playing Norwich in the League Cup. They were in the Championship. And we were beating them 3-0 at half time. We could have had a deck chair out playing them. And and I think we'd lost the first three games in the league or something. And Jim 
Jim turned to this is Jim. This is Jim for you. Jim turned to Neil Sellett and went, ah, we'll be all right, Sellett. He said, we'll come straight back up next year. And I thought that was a great line because like, he was saying, the championship's crap and we're going to get relegated. Do you know what I mean? That was that, that was Jim for you. Fergie loved them. Fergie, man, you, Fer, Fergie loved them. Absolutely loved them. Uh, most of the managers did. Uh, I had quite a lot of run-ins with them. Yeah, but but it was what I liked about Jim was... Uh, you could have the biggest, I don't mean physical fight, but you could have the biggest argument with Jim during a game or after a game. And he call you everything under the sun and you could scream at him. And seeing him, see, by the time it got to Monday, Callum, it was gone. It was gone. It wasn't festering. It was, he'd come in on Monday, put his arm around you and go, Rah. excuse me. He'd, he'd just put it to the side, brush it under the cap, and get on with it. No politics, no grudges, man to man. That's how, how Jim was. He called me. Uh, Eric Steele was the goalkeeping coach who went on to be the goalkeeping coach at Man United with David De Gea. Eric's a lovely guy. Eric said to me at nearly the end of the first season, I was there when we stayed up. As I say, how we stayed up, I don't know. But Jim had been talking to the Telegraph or the Guardian and he, he said, uh, and Steely said, have you seen what Jim, the gaffer, said about you in the paper? I says, no, I don't read the paper. He said, oh, he, he called you the best pound-for-pound pound signing he's made, made in years, right? And I was like, oh, not, not that I was his best signing, or whatever, but value for money and the job I'd done for him at that time. He said, without Craig, we wouldn't have stayed up, basically. He said, best pound-for-pound pound signing that I've made for a long time. And we lost the game, right? And he came up to me on the Monday. I'm no word of a lie. And he said, Craig, I said, what is it, Gaffer? He said, did you see that thing I said about you in the paper on Friday? He went, I went, yeah, Eric told me. He went, I lied. He went, I lied. You're the worst signing I've made in years. <laughs> and, I, I, and I said, go on, Jim. I said, just fuck off. I said, honestly. He said, that was him. That was him for you. It wasn't personal. It was just his way. And, you know, he would be... Uh, the boys would the boys would come back with all sorts of stories. They got to, we'd go and play away games. And uh, we'd go and play away games. And uh, we'd be in the hotel on a Friday night. And, and I'd come down in uh, the morning for breakfast. And I'd come down. And the physios, the kit men, they all looked as if they'd been dragged through a hedge backwards. And I, I said to them, What's wrong with you lot? And they say the gaffer. Because Jim was a big drinker. Red wine. Cigars, red wine. But, but what he'd do is, <clears throat> he'd sit sit in the hotel till like three or four in the morning, a.m., right, with the wine. And he wouldn't let any of them go to the bed because he'd, be, he'd be telling stories and stuff. And he'd be holding court. And they always... <laughs> They'd all be trying to get up and like they'd have their backs against the wall, trying to sneak off, going to their beds and all that. And he would catch them. And he used to say to them, "If I catch any of you going to your bed, I'm going to sack you." He wouldn't really, but he always say that. So he wouldn't let them go to their bed. And they'd come down in the morning, and they'd all look like death warmed up because they'd been up to it. But he'd do that all the time. That was him. He just, he just, uh, he just loved telling stories. And and but he wanted to play for them. You know, I, I just wanted. I always say to people. 
and I'd run through a wall for Jim. I just loved to play for him because he was old school. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Uh, and we had some success in terms of staying up for a while. And then, and then uh, it unraveled. He signed a player from Norway. I've got to tell you this. This is, this is him in a nutshell. I should mention his name because he's never going to listen to this. We, and he's a lovely guy. But we signed a player called Bjorn Otto Bragstad from Rosenborg. He was a six, this is a true story. He's a six foot four, big strapping, skinny centre half, right? Because we were needing a centre half badly. I said to Jim, end of one season, Jim, if we don't sign players, we're screwed. We're not going to keep staving off relegation. We need to bring in better players. I know, Craig. I know, I know, I know. I said, well, fucking sign somebody, will you, for God's sake? <laughs> so fucking, and, uh, but we didn't have the finances. So he goes out, he pays two and a half million for Bjorn Otto Bragstad who played in the Champions League for Rosenberg. If you remember back in the day, Rosenberg used to do really well in the Champions League. And uh, so we signed this guy. So we're in Holland pre-season. And we're playing against Vitesse Arnhem or somebody like that. And let, let me paint the picture. This is the first game of pre-season. This guy's only just here, right? So Jim decides he's going to sit up in the stand for the first half. There wasn't a huge crowd, but there was a crowd. So Neil Sillett's in the technical area with the coach and stuff, and he's got a mobile phone. And this is no word of a lie. He's just signed. We've had two weeks training. This is the first game, and the game was 11 minutes in. And Neil Sillett's Neil phone starts ringing, right? And he gets the mobile out his tracksuit bottom. And it's buzzing away, and it's he's looked at it and it's gone, gaffer. So the gaffer, Jim's ringing him from the stand, 11 minutes into the first game of pre-season. And Neil picks the phone up, he thinks it's a tactical change, or gets somebody off, he thinks they're injured. So he goes, gaffer, what is it? And his first words were, Bragstad. <clears throat> and he went, Bragstad, Bragstad. And Sel went, what, what? He went, Bragstad, we've made a right fuck up here. We've made a right fuck up. He's effing useless. And so went, it's 11 minutes into his first game. We need to give him time. He went, no, no, I, I can tell. He's useless. And honestly, when Sel told me after the game, I was like, do you know what? That's him down to a T. He phones him down, like, 11 minutes into the guy and tells him he's useless. But you know what? He was right. And I don't want to say that uh, disparagingly. I'm saying that in terms of Derby because the big man never had a career at Derby. He, he, he played in the reserves after that. But that was, that was just Jim, you know, <laughs> phoning down from the stand 10 minutes into the game to tell... To, to tell uh, to tell himself that he'd fucked up and that was that was Jim he was brutally honest that's incredible and and, and I'm kind of putting words in your mouth here because I'm assuming so correct me if I'm wrong but you talked about politics and shambles and other situations described in D I just lost you there uh, did you say Dundee yes ah uh, right so you know 
I finished up at Derby, blah, blah. I got free transfer after, I won't go into it, long bit of infighting with John Gregory. That's a story for another time. And uh, so I was coming towards the end of my career, really, because I was struggling with injuries. But I know Jim Duffy liked me a lot. But Jim had no money because he said said it in the summer. I'd love to sign you, but I ain't got any money. Can't do it. And then, lo and behold, it's a call. Dundee have got some money. Jim's got money. You know, Giovanni Di Stefano, this guy who's you know obviously uh, well known to Dundee now, uh, Dundee <laughs> fans. Uh, Giovanni Di Stefano is going to do this. He's going to do that. He's going to do this. He's going to do that. And so Jim made, made Jim signed me, signed me and Ravenelli. So I did a deal with Jim to go to Dundee. And I was super fit at that time because I've been training all summer after I bought my holidays. I really looking after myself. I wasn't football much yet, but I wasn't probably... I remember Darren Jackson saying to me, when I up to play a friendly for Dundee just after I signed and to get me some match fitness and Jacko came along... I think it was at Clyde Stadium or something. Jacko said, bloody hell, Butler. Boys used to call me Butler uh, because it was my nickname at Celtic, Butler, because I played with Lambert, Lambert and Butler. (laughs) So so my nickname at Celtic was Butler. He says, Butler, I've never seen you looking so fit. I said, Christ, I must have been fat when I was playing at Celtic. So actually, I actually got myself in probably the best shape I'd been for years. But I wasn't much fit, but I looked after myself. And then... Jim come along and, and so made me an offer made Rav an offer Ravenelli so we signed so we agreed we'd go up we're never going to move the families so we're going to stay in the hotel uh, and probably spend four days in Dundee and then get the train or fly back in three days in Nottingham because I was in, I lived in Nottingham and Rav lived in Derby so what what for everybody so we signed and Rav was his usual self oh, couldn't get him out of the gym you know we'd stay we can't remember the hotel in Dundee down by the uh, uh, down by the river but anyway so you know they couldn't get Rav out of the gym and they couldn't get me away from the bar you know that's the Scottish player and the Italian player you know there's the difference so uh, we'd be training and playing and then going back to the Midlands that's about but we were leaving wait to hear this we weren't checking out the hotel we were leaving the room so we had the hotel room seven days a week whether we were in the hotel or out the hotel, our clothes were in the room, so they were paying for it. Because that's what we were told. That's what we were told to do. Die don't have to. Just keep it. Just keep the hotel. So obviously, when it when 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 it worked out, he he was a a, a fraudster. Then Rav and I were like, I said to Rav, I says, you and I better sneak out this hotel at the dead of night because somebody's going to have to pay for this hotel room because we haven't been we. We've been in it every night for God knows how long. But, you know, obviously we didn't sneak out, but somebody sorted it. I don't know what happened. But uh, what happened was we did the deal and hunky-dory, couple of games, blah, blah, blah. I got sent off in the game against Dundee. I kicked Tam McManus, which he reminded me on Twitter a year or so ago. He says, why did you kick me? I says, well, I wanted to get, and there was a, there was a train, going, an early train going back to Nottingham, and I had to get sent off that I could get it. So you were just the nearest target. So anyway, well, I wondered why you kicked me and got straight. So anyway, I uh, I went to Jim Duffy, who I got a lot of time for Jim. Jim's a great football man. And 
it was after a few weeks and I can't quite remember. But I said to Jim, I said, Jim, it's not a problem to me and I'm not worried about it. I'm like, I'm not going to like not train or not play, but I'm just telling you, we're not getting paid. He went, and Jim, Jim went, really? He didn't know. He went, shit. I went, it's not a problem. I said, I mean, obviously it's a problem if you don't get paid long term. I said, it's not a problem if it's just going to be here in like a month's time. I said, it's not, I said, it's not an issue. I said, but I know Rav's not been paid. I've not been paid. And I said, I'm presuming a lot of the other boys haven't been paid, if not all of them. And, and really that was when the alarm bells first started ringing. Uh, and I just went to Jim and I said, look, here's the deal. And I think he knew then that there was a problem. And then <clears throat> before you know it, uh, the club was having to go into administration and they were going to get rid of people. But I did, you know, and Rav and I were always going to be the first to leave because we'd have been the highest earners. Uh, but I said to Jim and that anyway, I said, I'm going, I'm, I'm going whether they, they get rid of me or not because I'm not staying here whilst I'm watching other kids and younger people and people don't earn as much. I'm not, I'm not leaving. I'm not, I'm not staying while they, while they get put out. So I'm going regardless. And Rav was the same, but ultimately we were on the list that was going to go anyway. So, but I wouldn't have stood, I would have chucked it because I wouldn't have stood by and watched kids on, you know, 500 pound a week or whatever it is getting lobbed out whilst the higher earners stayed. So, uh, it, it was just a mess, but it was a mess for one reason because, people get involved that were not what, what they said they were. And, and unfortunately, you know, fans are like everything, you know, fans get their hopes up. And, you know, and, and it's not the only club, but people come in, Callum, and they give people hope. And the worst thing about the hope is when somebody takes it away and it usually leaves a mess. And so that, it, that that's what happened there, basically. And then, you know, I went back to, to uh, I decided off the back of that, I was going to take Christmas off in New Year uh, because I could, to be honest with you, uh, and uh, because I was a, a good, to use a good Scottish word, I was scunnered. And I took a phone call from Steve McMahon on the way down, and he was manager at Blackpool, trying to get me to go, and I said, no, nah, I'm not going. And I took Christmas and New Year off, and I enjoyed it. And so, because my daughter was just born at the time, so uh, I got to spend more time there. Uh, with my daughter, who was very young. And then Brownie phoned me. <laughs> that old Brownie again. Brownie's again. And he phoned me. Look at, so, so there's more Brownie stories. And then Brownie phoned me in January, I think it was, to go to Preston North End. He said, I need, I need you to come for a month. I says, Brownie, I, be, I said, I basically, I've been on the piss and eating Christmas turkey for a month. I said, I'm no fit. I said, like, I've been, he says, ah, you'll be all right. Come to Preston for a month on loan. So he talked me into it. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll come up for a month. So I signed for Preston for a month. Brian, I knew a few, Gildy was there. Brian and Neil was there. I knew a few of the boys. So uh, Billy Davis was coach. So I said, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll come up and train. I'll sign for a month. But I'm not moving. I said, I'll just drive between my house and Nottingham and Preston. It was about a two-hour drive, four hours there and back. So I'd gone up, uh, trained for a bit. Uh, played some games, not many, and then. But it was quite funny because uh, 
all the boys that, uh, apart from Gildy and Brian, all the Preston lot, all the Preston lads, used to grovel at Craig Brown's feet because he used to be the Scotland manager and all been to World Cups. And this was a most of these guys were great guys and some of them good players, but they were championship players. They were level two senior, uh, effectively playing the second tier. So apart from Gildy and Brian and Neil, all the guys used to basically be in awe of Brownie. And then I come in and we used to just treat Brownie like how we treat him with the Scotland, you know, because I was used to having him with Scotland where we'd say to him, oh, Wayne, don't talk nonsense. So I used to be giving him pelters, you know. Ah, oh, we're doing this shite training again, Brownie. I see things have not changed since the, uh, the crap sessions you were putting on with Scotland. And all the boys were like that. How can you talk to him like that? I went, what are you talking about? I said, we used to talk to him like that all the time when we were Scotland. I said, you know, it's like they, they couldn't get their head around it. They were like, but we can't, we can't talk to him like that. I said, well, I can. I said, and then one day it was like, we just played a game at home at, Pre- at Preston's Ground and he come, he come up. I, had, I was getting changed and the boys couldn't believe this. So I gets changed. And he comes waddling over to me. And he, this is true, this is true. He said, this is on the Saturday. Because I used to come in. I didn't train for five days because the travel was too much. But in the end, I couldn't be asked. I got fed up with the travel. So he comes waddling over to me. Bearing in mind, he's a manager. And all the boys are sitting getting, getting after the shower. And he said to me, Callum, and he gave, to be fair, he gave me, he gave me my chance to, to say this line. Because he cooed it up for me beautifully. He said in front of the boys, when are you coming in this week? Right? Now, nobody else got a choice. But, you know, he was... Because I'd played from World Cups and all that, and I was travelling from Nottingham, he'd give me a bit of leeway. But he said to me, when are you coming in this week? This is Saturday. And I just got up off my chair, uh, off the bench, zipped my toilet bag, got my jacket, and as I was walking past him and out the door, I said, Friday. Right? Fucking Friday, like, and I heard them go like that, and I heard all the, the lads try to hold the laugh in, because this is Saturday, so I'm not coming in for five. I'm taking, for, I've given myself five days off, and as I'm walking out the door, I heard them say, "Bastard, bastard," <laughs> and uh, but he took it like, you know, I phoned them and I said, "When do you want me to come in?" I said, "I'll come in like, I'll come in cup," because I didn't mean it. But I just gave him the chance to give that line in front of the lads. When are you coming in? I went Friday. And then he called me. He called me about a week later and he said, it's not working, is it? And I said, because you can have that honest conversation with people. He phoned me at that and he said, it's not working, is it? And I went, no. I said, because I don't feel fit enough. I'm travelling from Nottingham. I'm on, I said, you know, I'm not training five days a week, which I need to because I'm travelling every day. And... To be honest, I'm, I'm pretty fed up. So we just called it a day. And I was going to call it a day. And then Colin, and then bloody Colin Lee got involved, who was manager at Walsall. He called Colin Lee, who was a great striker for Chelsea and others, Quincy. He called Brownie and he says, what kind of characters, Craig? I need somebody. Brownie went, great character. He said, I need somebody in the dressing room that's going to walk in and make people stand up, an experienced player. He said, because we're struggling. So he called me, he offered me a contract at Walsall, and I didn't really want to go. But I ended up being sort of cajoled into going because he was such a nice guy. And I went to Walsall 
signed there to the end of the season, absolutely hated it and played terrible because my heart wasn't in it and I wanted to retire. And, and every, that's where everybody's different because you see some players want to play for as long as possible, like Gordon Strach and Gary McAllister, Teddy Sheringham, the list goes on. They want to play at the 40. But, you look, but, but everybody's body's different. My body was telling me, for God's sake, retire. Because I'd had seven operations. I was struggling with fitness. I kept picking up injuries. And the more injuries you pick up, the worse it gets, the longer it takes to rehab, the poorer you play. On top of that, I was dropping down in divisions and I was fed up and I hated it. I can say that. I hated playing football at the end of my career because I wasn't enjoying it. And when you don't enjoy it, it's horrible. And I hated it. And it's nothing against the clubs or the players. It was just me. Because I couldn't do what I once did. I couldn't get box-to-box like I did at Chelsea and Celtic. I couldn't play like how I played for Scotland. I couldn't do it anymore. And I hated myself for not being able to do it. Because I was letting people down. Because I was letting myself down. I was letting other people down because I just couldn't do it. And so when I got the call, I was sitting at home one day, and I'd, Colin Davidson rang me, the pro- senior producer at Sky Sports. And he says to me, I'm moving to Satanta. And I said, sorry? Because I'd done a lot of Scottish football for him with David Proven, Ian Crocker, Charlie Nick. I'd done a gazillion gigs for him. And I'd done some work for Satanta when they used to be just an off-the-cuff, by-the-odd game kind of company, which they were. And I'd done the odd game for them. Like, we'd only be now and again, they'd buy like a Celtic League Cup game or something. And he said... I'm going to Satanta. I said, what do you mean you're going to Satanta? He says, they've got venture capital behind them, big time, Goldman Sachs and others, and they've just bought, they've just won the rights for the uh, Scottish football. Outright. Outright. And I've gone there as the guy that's going to front it up. And I've said, fucking hell, you're leaving Sky. I says, and he says, yeah, because they're, 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 they've got big plans and I'm running the whole shebang for them and I want you to come and be the main guy in the studio. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our 